You're listening to Pointing Pointers, the Point to Point podcast. Well, good evening and welcome to the final episode of Pointing Pointers for the season, which is quite sad. Uh, we're going to take a bit of a look back at the uh, highlights and lowlights and I'm very pleased to say we are joined by Peter Wright, uh, Chief Executive of the Point to Point Authority. Peter, how are you? Very well, thanks. Um, shame in one sense the end of the season, but it's been quite a long one. First two weeks, so I think that's <laughs> a record season for us. Yeah, it has uh, seemed to go on for a while, shall we say. And uh, boys, you're all in good health? Very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. very well, thanks. Yeah, all good. Everyone's, everyone seems to have a little bit of colour this week. The sun's been shining. Long may it continue now that they're racing. Um, so, uh, Peter, um, uh, you very kindly joined us in our first season uh, doing this podcast and uh, and agreed to come back on at the end of this one and just sort of uh, uh, have your say on some of the things uh, that have been discussed over the last few weeks and, and we just thought it would be good to get your take on the season that's just been. So let's, let's jump straight into it. Um, what do you think we can be proud of as a sport for the 2021-2022 season? Um, proud. That's, that's tricky. I, I think the first thing is, and we 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 shouldn't underestimate this. This is the first full season with not major problems since 2016-17. That's a long time ago. It's five years now. Because it wow. wasn't. It was not just COVID. It was also before that we had equine flu. Before that we had the beast from the east, and it's gone on and on and on. So actually, getting through a full season when a lot of our secretaries haven't run for three years and so on and so forth, and yet they just jumped right straight back in, was fantastic. And I'm really pleased um, in that sense how well it went in general terms. Specifically, if I may, I think um, the iPad was a huge jump forward on the judging. All the complaints and huff and bustle I had, and we've all heard over this, just stopped. And a lot of the judges who are, I think, slightly sceptical to start with actually came up to me during the season and said, oh, that's taken the pressure completely off us and we're not being got at. Um, mm. And it's very unfair that they were ever being got at, to be honest. And, but it's interesting because, of course, we had seven dead, um, dead heats and um, a lot of what, uh, results decided which were really could be for, worked out on the iPad, which were really noses. So um, really interesting, um, the results, and um, very pleased with that. However, the bit that I'm really pleased with, pleased rather than proud necessarily, is, is very easy to look at the, the senior jockeys and their huge records and all the rest of it. But the bit that I love is that one of the things that I have to do in our somewhat archaic way of doing things, I load the wins manually every week. And I have to go through all the fixtures in Ireland and Britain in terms of under rules and flat as well, and point to points. And every week through the spring, three to five of our jockeys have won their race for the first time. Yeah, and For me, yeah. that was epitomised by right at the beginning of the season, go right go back to the second week where Luke Humphrey, on his 74th attempt, won his first race. And I thought, and then we you were right there. Get, we were there, weren't we, James? And then right at the end yeah. of the season, at Tricoid, Sophie Kitts, about eight days after her 16th birthday on her second ride, wins her first race on a six-to-one outsider. And actually, those two rides between them, that really, 
plus all the rest. But those two, I think, epitomise what pointing is about. And I was really chuffed about it, actually. Um, no, and I think it, you're exactly right there. Yeah. It's good about pointing. So there you go. But there are yeah. lots of good things about it this year. Well, I already feel I already feel good about the uh, about the season, Peter. So you, you you're definitely doing the PR and the diplomacy bit, right? That's for sure. Uh, what's your What's your main challenge been this year? Yeah, mind me asking. <laughs> I think I know the answer, but for those who don't, no, I actually probably might be slightly surprised about it. The main challenge, not necessarily the main problem, but the main challenge, is misperceptions, and they are alive and kicking. It's not surprising in a volunteer sport with a lot of vested interests and people looking at it from very different angles and those who live, breathe and eat it the whole time and those just running occasionally or whatever they might be doing. But, you know, for example, horses aren't competitive. Well, actually, with all the very small fields we had, it was surprising how many competitive races we had in the spring. And a higher percentage of horses of the total this year will have won races. Um, than in the last 20 years. The, um, and, and following on from that, the large trainers have ratios of about one win to one horse, a ratio of one, which is better than average. But on the other hand, the large trainers tend to get wealthier owners. So that's not too surprising. Um, but if you go for the wealthier, small owner trainers, for example, they'll have much better ratios. So it's not quite what people believe when they're looking at these things. And mm. um, horses are generally, were generally competitive. The new style of races worked more or less. Um, I think my one, if you like, my single challenge would be to get the, all of the owners and trainers to buy the planner. In reality, we sell 488, PPRC sold 480 this year about half of the owners and trainers total, which it's not I'm, it's not always happening, but quite often horses are being entered in the wrong races because they're not looking at a plan. Now, frankly, if you're spending quite a few bit of money on your horses and so on, 40 quid for a planner and then read it, you know, you look at someone like Alan Hill or Luke Price, they are great scavengers. They read that planner backwards to find the easy race for their horse. And, you know, and they place their horses accordingly. Um, mm -hmm. Now, owner trainers won't travel that far, and I accept that. But they could really help themselves. We could persuade more people to buy the planner. So there you are. That's my real challenge for next season. No, I think you bang on. And um, I remember Ollie Murphy saying to me uh, a couple of years ago, he said, like, you know, getting the horses fit and well is what is only half the job. She says, like placing them in the race that they can win is the other half the job. You know, and and perhaps the the more sort of enthusiast um, owner trainer, um, couple of horse trainer, etc. People who maybe got one for them, one for a friend, etc. You know, probably are so focused perhaps on on getting the horse to the track in one piece, etc. They're, they're not, you know, just plugging in that last piece of the puzzle, which could actually elevate their performance and results. I suppose. Um, so interesting for sure. Um, so we'll quickly rattle through some of the other sections and uh, then return to some talking points so that Peter can have his say on some, uh, some matters we've been rattling on about all year. Um, so last week's highlights, um, a, a, sh a short section for this week's highlights. Uh, there wasn't a, uh, perhaps a vintage race card at Umberley, um, but it uh, did go to the wiring the novice men's. Uh, and here's the long-serving Devon and Cornwall correspondent, Mike Drown, to tell you more. Mike, over to you. 
Yeah, it was nice to see the, the men's novice title go to the final day um, between Charlie Sprake and Freddie Gordon. Uh, yeah, Charlie absolutely. landed Charlie landed the restricted race, I think the second race on the on the card, which took him one ahead. Um, and then the pair had a shootout in the following race, which was nice to see. It only a two 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 runner race, but uh, it was exciting to see who was going to win it. So either Freddie was going to equal, you know, tie it, or Charlie was going to win the title. So um, Freddie led for most of the way, but. Charlie led when it mattered and uh, took the race by eight lengths in the end. But uh, I was really pleased and it was nice to see that as soon as they went over the line, you know, Freddie's rode over to Charlie to congratulate him, which I thought was a really nice gesture. And obviously they're both any young lads. So mm. to have that, show that sportsmanship at such a young age, I thought was really nice. Freddie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's, uh, it's, Always the case that if you've got two people trying to push each other to the wire like that, it just brings out the best in everyone. You know the art, the the nature of competition, and it has, as you said, gone to the wire. And then, yeah, good on Freddie for for being a good sport. Uh, so, um, well, Mike, we pretty much wrapped up the championship last week. But um, who won the novice lady riders in the end? And and uh, and also, who was the trainer with seven horses or fewer that came out on top this season? Um, so yeah, Olive Nichols obviously as sort of expected uh, held on. She she was already one clear going into Saturday, but uh, she walked over on Monjo Gibraltar to go two clear of Rosie Howarth. But um, it was a nice gesture of uh, Paul Nichols as well to, uh, to to give the prize money of four hundred pound to the IJF. So uh, that was nice of them. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the the. Trainer with seven or fewer was uh, tied between Sam Loxon and Jelly Gordon, so that was um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was nice. It made sort of having the boys fight it out on the last day. It uh, made definitely made the day for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, PT, you must be really pleased with um, the way that the leaderboard has, uh, well, the championships, I should say, has, has panned out this season with plenty of the uh, competitions being quite close. Um, Obviously not in the ladies' championship, but uh, it going right to the end of the season across the across the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, joking aside, and don't read this the wrong way. I think what was really interesting, I think, was other than Gina and Tom, all the championships were live three weeks ago, which was remarkable. I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, yeah, and I was yeah. really pleased pleased that that happened. Um, and yeah. Um, it's interesting as a wider issue here in that not one final, which we held in the point-to-point course, had more than four runners. And yet people are anxious to win the championships. So a bit of an exclusive here. We're looking at um, turning the, all those, well, a couple of those finals into leagues next year. So, uh-huh. um, so we'll have a veterans league and, a, and so on. So because That's an interesting idea, yeah. People will be more, I mean, a bit of extra work. But we think people will be more interested in, in trying to run them to win. So, uh, yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. And uh, you might, I don't know if you listened, Peter, the other week we had Tim Talbot on and he was talking about um, about the need to kind of get these uh, ideas out as early as possible so that people can plan in advance. And so, uh, Tim, if you're listening, you can't, you can't blow at that. Here we are on June the 14th talking about uh, some plans for next year. So, uh, Good on you, Peter. <laughs> uh, and and Tim, Tim's quite right, incidentally. I'm, um, 
I'm I'm quite happy to talk about the four and five year old stuff as well, by the way. But um, we'll get into that shortly. <laughs> yeah, but um, he's right because fundamentally, um, we're saying, oh, it's the end of the season. It's now six weeks before they have to start bringing their horses in for the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah, to put that in perspective. I mean, yeah. hit the road, Jack, instantly at Umberley. I don't know who picked up on this, Mike, but hit the road, Jack, ran on the first weekend of the season and won on the last weekend of the season. Yes, uh, quite remarkable, isn't it, really? Yeah. There was, uh, just sort of going back to that, um, it was nice to see uh, Eric III, 13 years young, uh, win- winning still at Umberley. So um, they've had a really good season with him this year. Yeah. I think if, um, if 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 national hunt racing in general is a good advertisement for the longevity of the thoroughbred and how we care for our animals, then point to pointing probably takes that up another step. You know, you've yeah, got definitely. you've got some of these horses that you know are given the uh, you know a time to a minute and they've got the ultimate uh, professional care year round. People really do look after them like they're their you know their their babies, I suppose. Um, so yeah, a very good advert. Actually, Ben, could I come in there? I mean, I think this year. We're looking off stats, but it appears far fewer, you know, our injury rate has been really down this year, really mm. pleasing. Um, and that's partly because of environment, partly we've been having more water on available and the course has done a really good job there. But actually, big, big shout out to the jockeys. The jockeys have generally been pulling up two fences earlier, which is good to get an extra run into them, but also I think has paid dividends for the horses. Um, so really, really pleased with that particular advantage um, gain. Yeah, that's really good to hear, especially because um, uh, down in, in Devon and Cornwall, they've been racing on an average of firm, firm to unraceable in places. And um, I see, Mike, that um, Umberley uh, tried out their all-weather surface on Sunday. Uh, all, uh, all good. It's nice to see all, all grass at the weekend. No, I think you're always giving it a stick, but... Um, you know, we've we've done. Uh, I think we've had a good season down here. We would have liked some more runners, but I think that's more of a widespread issue rather than uh, fixated down down here. Um, but you know, as Gina said earlier in the season, it's very competitive to win down here. So yeah, we only we only ridicule you because we're jealous of uh, the, the the sheer enthusiasm and, and volume of racing down in that part of the world. And um, so Peter's we'll, we'll... been down it. You've been down here quite a bit, Peter, this season. So uh, you, you've um, enjoyed your time down here and happy with it all down here. I, oh, I, I've always enjoyed it because traditionally I was I did Wessex and Devon and Cornwall. Those yeah. are the courses I used to go to. So one of the reasons I haven't been down the last few years so much was because I knew the courses and I tried to get round everywhere else. Um, this year I've been and last year I've got round quite a few of them, and obviously there were. I came down at the end of the season so people could talk to me. Yeah. Um, so, um, did you wear um, a tin I, hat, Peter? <laughs> body protector. No, <laughs> I, I place protection <laughs> agent. Devon, Devon farmers are a very nice bunch. So they're very, very. They might be unhappy about something, but they've got a nice way of making the point. <laughs> <laughs> always civil, always civil and laid back. Um, so let's let's dive into some of the talking points. Uh, Johnny has been very quiet so far, alarmingly. So I, I, I feel he may be a crouching tiger ready to spring anything out. But, uh, no, he's, uh, he's diving right into them digestives tonight, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, so um, uh, something we spoke about last season, and just to get your your thoughts on it going forward, what what's the um, what's the plan in relation to horse numbers? Clearly, not an easy 
fix. And it, you know, it's going to take more than um, you sat in your study to uh, to to fix it. But what what is the plan? Um, well, I think one we've got to. Uh, I'm afraid acknowledged there are fewer thoroughbreds around. Um, foaling dropped thirty percent since two thousand and five in Britain and Ireland. There's been an uptick in Ireland, but as far as I know, it hasn't. There hasn't been an uptick in Britain. So one of the issues is trying to encourage breeding again. Now, Under Rules is already doing that, but we're talking with the Jockey Club and others to see if we can offer incentives so homebreds get a bonus if they win or whatever they do. So that, that's something we're looking at. That's um, interesting. And Jockey Club's being very receptive about it, I might add, um, being very supportive in how they can help point. I'm very grateful. Um, the other side of it is, okay, can we find more horses? So, and where have they gone, those that exist? And so we believe there are um, at least two lots of low-hanging fruit out there, if you like. Um, one is horses that um, owners owners under rules um, have horses which have been found out of a handicap and they don't know what to do with them. The danger is they get retired. Um, they don't want to pay the fees. They equally don't want to put them in auctions because they won't get necessarily very much, but they might get um, uh, sold for meat and they don't want to be done for that. So what we believe might work, but again, <laughs> the concept's great, it's how to do it. But is it, we know we've got a lot of owner traders who can't really afford the capital cost of buying a horse. So the, we think possibly if we can match them up, they could be co-owners. So... The original owner provides the horse, the owner trainer does the training. And the beauty of this is that the bit that we often forget is pointing can be quite cliquey. Whilst if you've got a national hunt owner who's then a co-owner with people who are already involved, he gets introduced into the sport. Pointing, frankly, once you get into the sport, sells itself. So I'm not worried about that. It's getting Absolutely. them into the sport, not feeling apart. So that's one lot. The other lot we think may be available, well, we know they're available because there's been a bit of moaning about it, but actually they're missing the point, which is um, the NTF. The trainers, some of the trainers love pointing, others really don't understand it. They've got some views of pointing from the 80s and 90s. We've just been doing a marketing survey which involved lots of people from equestrian industries and under rules and so on. It was really interesting when... Uh, the responses that we got. But I couldn't believe when I read the results, I couldn't believe the views people had. So we need to break that down. But actually, the days of a trainer turning around to his owner under rules and saying, oh, we're going to give Charlie a go. All that happens is the owner says, no, you're not. You're pretty the stable jocker. Um, you know, those days are gone. So point to point, is their opportunity, plus retention for staff. So we've already seen Fergal O'Brien doing it um, heavily. Uh, Nick Pierce is doing it on behalf of Skeletons. Um, there are a few, quite a few, there are quite a few more, and we think there should be a lot more. And before anyone starts, apart from one horse, they weren't, they were competitive, but they weren't world beaters. All of them gave the, a go. And I know there was at the end of the season, there was one or two fixtures where they did tend to win quite a few races in the mid Midlands. But that was mainly because the top pointers had already been turned away. So they, because they've got facilities, they were still running them for their staff and then they won the races. So it isn't quite as bad as it seems. So um, I believe actually, and we got a lot of them, enough of them, 
they can have their own series anyway. In fact, then they can be as competitive as they like amongst themselves. So I think there is an opportunity to get more horses that way. Um, and it's a recognition, in fact, that a lot of our jockeys now come from yards anyway, um, which is no bad thing. They're fit and they, you know, the youngsters keep themselves fit that way, which is great. Um, as you probably know, Adam hasn't been replaced. Um, I've been running my office on my own with, with one other. Um, but what we're looking to do is um, recruit someone and basically their job in life will be more horses, i.e. more owners, and um, sponsorship. That's the two things they will be totally focused on because, frankly, that's the problem with sport runs. The rest of it is not really a problem. That is where the issue lies. Yeah. No, I think they're both fantastic ideas, and and I remember we um, we spoke somewhere um, briefly after the sales, and you were saying you you're flat out busy fielding calls of people wondering whether they could buy a certain horse or not. I fell into that trap and racket. I bought a horse, and I still don't know whether it's eligible to run in point to point or not. And maybe there's uh, maybe the third part of that puzzle can be a uh, a very simple education piece of people like me that might end up at the sales and working out which ones that they run, run in a point to point. Funnily enough, I have a meeting with BHA tomorrow to look at the regulatory changes. And one of the things we're trying to simplify is the issue of what Irish horses are qualified to run in point to points over here in what mm. time period. Because we recognise that is difficult um, and we are looking at it. So hopefully more news before before too long. Well, that was a very comprehensive answer for our first talking point. So, uh, and remarkably, James is doing that thing where he's interested in subject matter and just listening and forgets that he's actually in the podcast. And Johnny's gone to sleep, Mike. And so, uh, well, yeah, let's keep let's keep plowing on. Uh, I was going to ask you how the finish line technology works, but um, but you've already said that that's been that's that's been a triumph. Uh, so we'll we'll perhaps leave that one there. But um, if we, if we, if we can, we'll move on to the the, the dynamic between point to point flat races and the young horse maidens. Unless you've got something else to say on that. Can I just say one thing? I I've been yeah. of not plugging High Flyer for the iPads, by the way. High Flyer paid for the lot, um, and it was very good of them. Um, I was amused Absolutely. to see that one of his horses, as a result, won after the video proved his horse had won. But so that, that he's, that's not, he's not daft, is he? He's not daft. <laughs> I told him he paid back for hundred quid, so that was good. Um, <laughs> but um, seriously, um, we don't have the cash to pay for these sort of things. So without a sponsor like that stepping forward, we'd have been stuck. Anyway, on you go. Um, yeah, so just just if you would, Peter, just uh, uh, the final word on the sort of dynamic between the point-to-point flat races and the young horse maidens. Um, we, we spoke at length last week about the, the interplay um, and, um, you know, it's your turn to, uh, it's your turn in this particular rap battle to take the mic. Um, I think part of this argument is not dissimilar to the people who are complaining that there aren't large numbers of horses in the opens. Basically, what they're arguing is there should be a lot of cannon fodder to make it look better. Um, the reality... Strong view. The, strong view. The, the flat... The flat the, most of the horses running in the flat races are going on educational purposes. There are one or two who are using it as a selling exercise. To, I've, I've turned to that. And they're buying... Those are on cheap, cheaper stores um, rather than the more expensive ones they don't feel to take on. So. Um, I think what is really interesting is because we're doing figures on this. There's about three hundred, two to three hundred horses that haven't got a rating this year, and that's for two reasons. Either they're so flip, 
not so good that they can't get one, <laughs> or that they did flat because we don't give them a rating for flat. So the flat's uh, not yeah. quite early. So if if you um, if the argument is that they're not they're running in the flat, they're running in the maiden. I'm afraid that isn't what the evidence shows. A lot of these horses would never go in the maidens, and they were just or they might follow the next year. For example, I had a a four-year-old, four then a five-year-old. My trainer insists on running as a five-year-old this 10 years ago. Big, big brute. Um, it, it pulled up halfway around. What it needed was the education of going, and that's what a flat race provides. It did not need a jump race. and if, I would have definitely put that horse in the flat race um, if I'd had that opportunity. So, yes, it might have reduced the young horse maidens by a bit, but that isn't the secret to the young horse maidens. The secret to the young horse maidens is that before COVID, we had over 200 four-year-olds. And this year, we had 105, um, some of which before ran on the flat. Um, and as, as you also pointed out last week, there were too many four, five-year-old maidens. Um, and um, part of the issue is, as you probably, this is a longer-term issue, but the fixtures race plan. and they got into the habit of having four and five-year-old maidens because they wanted two types of maiden. Actually, one of the advantages this year is the no, no weight for age allowance maidens and the maiden conditions races were very successful, much more, many more entries and runners than the four, the young horse maidens. So my guess is we'll have fewer young horse maidens next year. That's the first step. The second step is that we're going to bring in a small select group of young horse maidens, mainly sponsored, and they're going to have a couple of extra conditions thrown in them. And fundamentally, we're trying to focus the sellers into these maidens. To um, and Tats are keen, Goths are keen, um, and the, the main seller yards and any other yard who wants to sell should be keen. Uh, because the whole point of this is the great step forward this year, which was missed a little bit, was Charm Park, where the second-placed horse was accepted for the elite sales at Cheltenham and got a reasonable price. And that means always before then, in Britain, you had to have a one in front of your name. Now the trainers are more comfortable with the fact that they can go against each other, and as long as they're competitive in the race, they've got an opportunity to go to the big sales. So, um, and if we can get them focused in those races, then the traditionalists don't have to worry about these four-year-old hotshots interfering with their part. But, but just, to, just to give you an idea of another misperception, 17 four-year-olds won this season since, Chris, since the new year out of 230 maidens. I don't think that's too worrying a figure. Well, it's a very balanced view, Peter. And I, I guess what you're saying there is, Whilst um, it's not a case of uh, the four-year-old maidens being depleted because of the flat races, you are accepting that to be more competitive, you're going to con you're going to contract the amount of races and make you know force some of the the sellers, uh, the selling yards, shall we say, to be to to run in the same races against each other to to compound that fact that we've been talking about of trying to you know deepen the form basically. And uh, and therefore the second horse is getting paid for you know getting paid for a decent third horse as well you know I think that's right I mean Charm actually it's just interesting to look at those results the first two went to the sales and the second one sold sixty odd thousand I think um, 
the horse that fell in com- um, contention to out getting tired ran twice more, second and first in maidens. The horse that fell out of contention four out rode, ran three more times. It won its maiden, it's restricted, and the entry bumper. You know, it's pretty, if the form was franked, frankly, and, and people could see that it was franked as well. So that was good. If we can get that sort of depth, that's what we need to achieve. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, so earlier on in the season, I suggested, um, and I think we, we, we perhaps caught up about, about this at Garthorpe, but um, I wanted to know from you what, what you thought our chances of, um, if we decided tomorrow that we were going to start a pointing pointers podcast point to point, which is a bit of a mouthful, granted. What are commercial commercial chances? Sorry, our chances of commercial success would be uh, for a non-hunt run point to point. I think there's two things in the present climate. For example, um, obviously the horse numbers for the fixtures. We've got too many fixtures really for the number of horses. So new newcomers, you can't just start your point to point. You it, it has to go into a system. If if there's a gap in the calendar and you're willing to run there and no one else is, then yeah, that would hmm. work. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, we we have a on. We started in mid-April with a fixture list for this ne- next season, and that hopefully most of it will be resolved on Thursday. It's an ongoing discussion to try and achieve and make sure we don't have clashes. There's always one or two like this year. We knew that um, the Beaver, um, Oakley, and uh, Shellfield were going to clash badly, and they did. And Oakley took the brunt of it, sadly. That one's been solved, but we're going to have a next... The end of March will be a problem. But going back to your original premise, if you... Most of the club fixtures that run at the moment, well, they all run at a profit. They're not doing it... You know, they're not going to... um, They're doing it for the sake of the sport pretty well, all of them. Um, In fact, they are. Um, But they don't run at a loss. There isn't a patron paying for them. Of course, if you're looking longer term, if, if you're saying what happens if and when, um, then they're slightly different because there's a wider issue about monies beforehand and where they would go. So, um, But actually, the crowds are way up this year and have been all year. It hasn't just been the spring. So uh, I'm delighted to say the fixtures have not felt the squeeze, um, to be honest. So, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise you to know that um, just as I have for the last couple of years had contingency plans for contingency plans, the same thing applies. I have contingency plans going on for all sorts of aspects of this particular problem. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, yeah, it's noted that um, numbers are up for, um, you know, spectators and that, but a couple of meetings I've noticed that there's a big crowd at and then we've not had very many runners or a lot of walkovers or just poor and it's it'd be interesting to see whether they come back next year if yeah one of our meetings um there, there was a lot of people there and i thought if they're coming for the first day they've heard their friends oh day out the race is brilliant they turn up and there's two horse races or a walk over here and they think they go away at the end of the day are they thinking what what is this all about like <laughs> you know you're right, Mike. I, I I think interestingly, the country is very different in this respect. If you're in the Midlands, as Ben will testify, everyone's at the back of their car having a picnic. And frankly, if they see a few horses drifting bars in the back, <laughs> fair enough. Wales, if they can't put a fiver on it, they'll be pretty cross. 
um, and Devon and Cornwall and, and indeed Wessex expect to see some horses racing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, there are, and, and up in the north they do, the north has a very deep betting ring. So it, it, is, a, it is an ongoing issue that you're quite right. What we don't know is, did it was it this year because of weather, because of COVID, because of this, that and the other, and it's not going to happen next year? I don't know is a simple answer. And, and you're right, there were 10 meetings with 20 or fewer f- runners. Yeah, uh, and frankly, you're pushing your luck at that level. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's only so many that are, are there happy. You know, there's plenty of people that turn up and like just see the beer tent and they see a horse and they think they've been racing, haven't they? But um, yeah. down down here, a lot of us, um, you know, there's only so many times people are going to come back if if they're not going to see very many horses. I I, I think you're absolutely right, and it's. Um, Certainly, some parts of the country have been brilliant about putting on other activities. I mean, I've made the point for years that in Easter, you've got to have other activities or don't run. Yeah. Um, and that's more or less now happened. Uh, but interestingly, a lot of the other fixtures, people are now putting on a lot of different things. Um, your neck of the woods probably needs to learn a bit more of that sort of thing. Yeah, there's, I think, especially now taking kids to racing, I think there's maybe three meetings that have got a bouncy castle out of the whole season. So like, you know, that's hard to sell to take a family day out, isn't it? When there's only probably... Fleet Park's very good at it, as you know. Definitely, Um, yeah. But they have the bumper sort of holiday crowd. Yeah. So, so Peter, talking about low horse numbers, do you think walkovers should count towards a championship or not? Mm. Um, The board will be discussing it on a personal level. Definitely not. There are 20... Back in the day when there were two or three, it's one of those things. There were 28 walkovers this year. And I might add, there were 78 matches as well. So that's 12% of the fixtures. 15% of the fixtures. So um, that's quite serious. But Mm. it might get worse, all I know. So I don't think at 28... You see, I mean, the big discussion was at the Men's Jockeys Championship. But they are winning lots and lots of races. So a couple of walkovers... And don't give me the stats I know, um, doesn't necessarily matter. But if you're talking further down the table where one win is absolutely crucial to whether you win the championship or not, then a walkover is ridiculous. Now, not only that, there's a wider issue here, and I'll be very interested to hear the comments from James. Um, but uh, the, um, the bigger question with walkovers, I think, is whether they should be being recorded. Because if you win a maiden walkover, now you're up to restricted. Yeah. Now, a lot of people would rather keep their horse in the box rather than do that. Which So that's not helpful. So there is an argument that says that, and if you win a conditions, you'll have a penalty or whatever it might be. So there is an argument that says, on the day, you get the walkover, you get the cup, you get the prize money, but it's not recorded for the longer term. Now, that's quite controversial. There's lots of differing opinions on it. Um, but I am going to be interested when the board discusses it, where, where they fall on it. And indeed, I'm discussing with BHA beforehand. Um, because, as I say, with 28, it's becoming quite serious now. Um, Similarly, though, like if you, if there's two that are going to turn up in a maiden and they, they know there's only going to be two runs, are they going to be happy 
to win. Obviously, most people just want to get one win a season anyway. But if you're jumping from maiden up to restricted, having beat one horse, are, are, are people going to be happy with that? I, I think that's true, Mike. That, that's life, as they say. Yeah. We had one race where it went from four to three to two to a walkover because yeah. no one was willing to race at whatever level. Um, I, I mean, I suppose the problem is you... That's the option. See, it's very difficult. You've got to draw a line somewhere. So it's a match, yeah. it's a match, it's a match. As I say, there were 78 of them. Um, and um, some of them were good races. There was one dead heat, believe it or not, as a match, which is hard to believe, but an absolute dead heat. Um, a good race too, by all accounts. Um, so, um, you you know, I, I, I'm afraid we have to take that on the chin and people can make the choice. Yeah. Was there a particular type of race that they did walk over? Was it open races? Was it restricted? I assume not many maidens walked over. Um, interesting. I've just been looking at those figures and, uh, gosh, I have an exciting life pouring over them. Um, but um, actually, they're spread across all types of races, funnily enough, uh, particularly the matches. But but the opens had rather more walkovers, I think it turned out. But And the, in terms of percentage of races, the hunt races, oddly enough but um but i think it's the opens probably have the most but in terms of actual absolute numbers it's pretty even and even in the uh maidens it, it, it they were split between the young horse maidens and normal maidens um in terms of what happened so yeah and um, peter i've put absolutely no thought into this question so forgive me if it's a bad one but um when you mentioned that there are quite a lot of those uh walkers are in hunt races um where do you see the future of them lying? I know, for example, in the Brocklesby, you know, you ended up with a situation where the centenary people are, you know, effectively uh, buying or renting horses on a short-term basis to have runners, um, etc. Now, um, for the for the long-term picture, do you think there comes a point where most hunts aren't going to be able to put up three or four runners unless they're, you know, it, you know, we've got the horse populations like in 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 the West Country. I... I think too often hunts frame hunt races, which I've, when I did the reorganization, the holistic change of all the races, I said I'd have hands off hunt races, they could do what they like with them. But uh, they frame them and then realize they don't have any horses that actually qualify within the framing. Um, mm. so, so that's part of the problem. Um, but the reality is, if you've got 1,700 horses and you've got 200 hunts and 10 of those hunts have got 50 plus each. It doesn't take you too much to realise that the rest ain't got many. Um, <laughs> um, there, was, there was only one hunt race which had over eight runners, and I think it was only another eight that had five or more. Um, and, and some of those hunt races are combined. You're allowed up to five hunts in a hunt race. So I think, firstly, unless you're the Duke of Beaufort, which was the one who had a really cracking race, and it was all local riders bar two, had a good both of those had a good reason to be riding as well. Um, it, it was a grand race, and that's exactly what a hunt race should be. And it was terrific. I was really pleased with it. Um, but, you know, something like the Blackmore Vale, which their hunt race has traditionally been as hot as, much hotter than anything else on the card, only had, I think, four runners, which is very disappointing. But... So if they're struggling, everyone else is going to be struggling. So I think there probably needs to be a little bit more hunts tying themselves tying together. I mean, you've already got Lark Hill running a hunt race, I think. Um, I, I don't. Annex has a hunt race for all their 
hunts, but actually it didn't work. So I think that'll probably go to a conditions race with a hunt cup issued within it or something like that. You know, I think people are thinking as to how they can sort it out. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I The trouble is the hunt cup is generally the nicest cup at each most hunt fixtures. And, and it is traditional, and I totally get that. Um, yeah, and, sure. But they all need to look at it and think through the best way of carrying carrying it forward. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so while, while, while we're on the subject of um, uh, Mike, you you were mentioning earlier to me on the phone that uh, you wanted to just uh, pick Peter's brains about the uh, the rumour doing the circulation that um, the championship's going to finish early. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what, can, what can you say about that, Peter, before I... Before I jump on, what, what can you say? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the the game is that the um, end of season will be brought forward to Stratford, which and we're aiming to have Str- Stratford is for the next two years, and hopefully thereafter, will be after the Maybank holiday, which often it's been before. And that leaves two weeks after the championship. And you'll say, well, that's a mockery. Well, it is, but I'll explain my reasoning and I'll <laughs> explain. If I, if I was being really tough, really, what I'd say is, and the season ends there as well. But I, I am not saying that because I understand the reasoning behind why Umberley and Bretton Down run late. Um, the, the, the practical reality is, taking away, forgetting about the season, is that the participants don't want to run, don't want the national awards in October. And I'm actually trying to level out the workload for my office because as we get to fewer horses, we need to cut the central costs. And at the moment, I have a peak workload in October where I'm trying to do seminars for the stewards, webinars for the officials, RQCs, officials, uh, you know, fixture list stuff, blah, 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 and run this dinner. And it puts a lot of pressure on the system and the participants don't want to do it. The problem we've had in the spring is and why it was there in the first place is you can't run a um, dinner um, with the PPRA lunch in the same period because the people won't go to both. And the problem with running at the end of the season for a dinner anyway, even if PPRA lunch didn't exist, is that frankly most people have lost interest in the sport long before. Um, and this comes back to the actual practicalities of the issue. Um, in reality, five of our areas. Last meeting is before mid-May, is mid-May or before. The only fi- areas now ru- will be running fixtures after Whitson Bank Holiday will be in Devon and Cornwall, the only one. Now, you might say to me, well, yeah, but it's, it's history. Sure it is. But back in the day, we had a lot of fixtures running all the way through May, and then it was just this odd couple in June finishing at Umberley. Now we haven't got many fixtures running in May. So, for example, I did some figures for this because I thought it would come up. Um, in 200, 2011, there were over 600 runners in the Whitson Bank holiday to the end of the season. By 2016, that had dropped to 500. This year, we managed 200 or thereabouts. And actually, um, and then you take it further back. So, A, the runners aren't there. People aren't willing to run on the ground. And the final thing about this is, is it fair on the people who are in the championships who are not in Devon and Cornwall having to travel in for week after week? Now, let us just, as an example, um, if someone in Yorkshire was um, competitive 
and their last fixture was on the 15th of May, they would have, in theory, have to travel into, um, for the next two weeks, they'd have had to travel into the Midlands to race. And then for the last two weeks, they'd have had to come into um, Devon and Cornwall. And that's a long old way. And I know one of the slightly amusing, if not irritating, arguments I've heard is about people say, well, the Turners did it, and the Greenalls did it, and the Easterbees and Cowards did it. Sure. Some of the people who are saying that are also the people who are always complaining about large owners and so on wrecking the sport for owner trainers. You don't see small owner trainers and so on moving those long distances. Although, actually, to be fair, and this is the other kicker, um, you're, you'll be right in saying that Umberley has always had a lot of visitors from the Midlands and so on. Um, absolutely right. And very few of them had anything to do with championships. They've just come down because it's the end of the season. I, I'm willing to bet that if I ran point points all the way through to August, I'd still have people turning up to run an appointment. So I didn't do it lightly, um, but there is a reason behind it. And, and that is in terms of, as I say, the practical realities and costs and so on, and also the fairness of it for everyone else in terms of the championships. But I certainly don't, I don't think it will do as much damage to Umberley or Bratton Down as people think. Um, certainly, I went round Umberley, funnily enough, this year, there were more people from the Midlands, perhaps, than normal came down to show support. But I asked, talked to some of the aficionados, and they said, well, of course, we'll still continue coming to Umberley, because what we're really doing is saying goodbye before we have five months off before we come again. So it's not about the championships and such. That didn't really worry them. But do you think, sorry, do you think, so like you know, the, the men's novice this year went down to Umberley? Yeah. So if that was already decided two weeks before, chances are people might have ran horses to try and help those lads secure it. So you you are going to, I'm not trying to be awkward, Peter. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you. I think I think people won't run because there's no point. Um. I mean, if I may, and I'll let you come in in a second, Michael, just, just look at those figures. There were three entries in one race for Freddie Gordon because he couldn't run in any other race. And he ran a horse that um, to have a go, basically. Um, it's been That horse had been running for a long time, too. Um, and he didn't have any horse that qualified well. I mean, yes, Charlie Sprake had a full handful, and actually... Hats off to Will Biddick, because most of those horses would have been ridden by Will if it hadn't been for Charlie running in the championship. So, yes, um, I, 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 and I, I admire Will for the fact that he realised two weeks out and turned his attention to try and support one of his prostitutes, and good luck to him. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, would, would those horses all um, have run anyway? I don't know is the is the honest answer, Johnny. But no, I don't think anyone could. And it's a look. It's a, I appreciate as well. It is a difficult decision that you wouldn't have taken lightly. I'm not saying that it would have been. I just yeah. And 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 isn't it true that whenever you move the end of the season two or the end of the championship two, it just changes the target that's in the site, and people just run those horses earlier. So I mean, I mean, so here's here's an idea for you, Peter. Here's an idea for you. So I think the problem with this, just shooting from the hip here, is that 
the season starting before the next season properly starts is going to throw everyone a big curveball. So I think, Mike, that'd probably be your problem. Not that the season's finishing at Stratford, but then there's two weeks of nothingness in between and then the next season. People don't know whether to put the horse in the field, keep it up or keep it rolling, etc. So here's an idea for you, Peter. Like a, a FIFA World Cup of point pointing or a tournament for those two weeks periods where you have a league table for, the, for that select period. I've no idea at work, but you finish the season at Stratford, two weeks of sort of championship races or kind of tournament style uh, winner takes all within that two-week period. And then the next season starts and the next season starts. So that sort of floating two weeks in the middle uh, doesn't count towards the new, new season, but isn't lost in fraternity. Ben, that's, that's just as much rubbish as I thought was going to come up about it. What, what is the point? What is, what is the point of them two weeks other than a celebration at the end of Umberley? What is the yeah. point of them two weeks? What, what, who's, what are we going to gain of having, if a jockey rode three winners, you know, or six winners over them, what, what does he get out of that other than riding a winner? What does it count for? Like, But I think the bit that's interesting about that, Michael, is that the vast majority of people are in it just to have a winner. Um, so, you know, actually the championships are watched by a, a limited number. I can go back to Johnny's point about, yes, that one championship went down to Umberley. True. But actually the vast majority of the championships went down to the t- weekend, the 21st, 22nd. So that argument suggests that that's when it should have stopped because it would have all been on that weekend. But I'm, I'm, I'm not pushing that point. I, that's, that'd be slightly churlish. Obviously we can. Every year is going to be you know, it's going to get won earlier or later in the season. We can't gauge that it's always won by a certain time, like, isn't it? It just depends on that particular year. But they've done it with the flat, you know, with the season. And I think it sort of takes away and um, from that. It's, it is a difficult one, I, I know, but... It, it is a difficult one, Mike. I, I don't get me wrong. I mean, I... <laughs> Your seniors are irate, I can assure you, on the subjects that are bending my ear daily on this bit. But um, uh, seniors as in elder. Uh, but uh, but, but um, the, I think the problem is that I think, to be fair to everyone across the country, and, and you know, with those horse numbers I t- gave you, that, I mean, I think there's a wider issue here, to be quite honest, which is that whether we like it or not, the weather conditions have changed and the ground has changed. And that means that we are struggling with horses and going to struggle with horses through the spring. And it's no good people saying, oh, well, if we didn't start too early, they would, they would run in the spring. No, they wouldn't. A lot of people are turning their horses away at Easter and so on. We're, we're now trying to work. I haven't got them to hand, I'm afraid, but I will be publishing the stats when I have them of how many horses actually ran from the 1st of April and after Easter because I suspect it's not as many as all that. And certainly, for what it's worth, from the 1st of April, we had 70 fixtures and we had 2,000 runners. Yeah, it's um, obviously this year it's been tough for courses and for, for everything, really. We've had it exceptionally dry. But um, I think a lot um, with, obviously, the, the last sort of tail end of, well, it's not the season, but <laughs> the end of the, the, the uh, fixtures being down here, I think for me, um, and I, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone else, but um, it's like, I think you wouldn't want to just see it, oh, it's only a couple of meetings down and that, you know, we don't want it being brushed off as that's the only reason why it doesn't, it doesn't matter down there. It's only down 
down the bottom end of the country, it doesn't really matter. Um, no, don't you worry. I'm not taking that attitude at all. Um, and and hence why you're still allowed. You're keeping the two on, you know, because the more draconian, if, if you're looking at it from the sports point of view, the draconian line would be to say the season ends the weekend before Stratford. Yeah. But we're not saying that. We're saying those two can continue and others, the, for grandfather rights, they can continue if they want to. And and they will, I'm sure, and that's fine. And but I don't think it will have quite the effect that you all think it will have. Um, noticeably, I don't. Know, I've I looked around on Saturday. Uh, you know, the only jockeys there were the ones that riding. No, no top jockeys came down from the Midlands, other than James and Gina. The fact is, it always has been a West Country affair, and because I happen to know. <laughs> you know the people from the Midlands. I could judge pretty carefully who's there and and so on. And, and there were a few people there who came for the first time, to be honest, because of, because of this Ferrari. They thought they ought to come down and support, which is very good of them, I might add. But um, it's it's an interesting problem. I, in my view, I I <laughs> Ben, you're you're causing mischief. But I I, I think, <laughs> to be honest, that actually having the two fixtures. And people having getting a few wins out of it, and then sitting on the leaderboard for five months, uh, might actually suit them. I'm always surprised about who likes looking at, at on the website and seeing their name in lights. So, um, but you know, it might be someone slightly surprising who's leading. It's surely not really like realistic aim to say we're going to have two meet two weeks or three weeks that then count for the following season. Surely that's not going to happen. I, I certainly don't mind that happening. That doesn't worry me. Um, I, I it only suppose won't matter the first year, will it? Well, not won't matter, but it, yeah. I mean, it gives me to see how it works. And Devon and Corbyn will get their advantage oh, because remember, your Devon and Corbyn championships will run through to the end of Wembley. Yeah. So you know that that's fine for you, um, and you could do your championships accordingly. Um, so I I tend to think that. Sorry, Peter. I was just going to say, I tend to think this this has been exacerbated by the fact that um, the men's novice went down to the wire and that James and Will were fighting out to nearly the end. And everyone's going, oh, but but it won't be the same. But if you look back, Mike, and I'd encourage you to do so because I haven't got a bloody clear. But uh, I bet it hasn't been this close in previous seasons. I bet it hasn't been this close in previous seasons. And therefore, does it really matter anyway? You know, the championship was probably decided by Stratford anyway. Well, like Just, I say, it, it's going to each year varies, doesn't it? But um, yeah, you'd still have possibly, no matter when you ended it, you're still going to have a battle towards who's going to win, whether you do it after a week or the end of the season, like, isn't it? But that, I'm sure they will still have some battles going into Stratford. But I, Well, for what it's worth, I think there'll be more battles. Now, one of the arguments is, oh, it won't end up one fixture, so they won't all be racing against each other. No, that's true. I mean, in reality, unless someone goes for a midweek meeting, it'll be Upkirt and uh, Chattersley Corbett will probably be the last two meetings for Stratford. Um, but actually, I quite like those. They're good courses, which horses will be run at, um, you know, and you get good fields, in my view. Um, which Yeah, and John Hurd always does a good job with the ground at Upkirt, but it, yeah. I can't really get my head around ending it there but I'm sure we've got to leave it there anyway because else we'll be talking about it all night but um, 
It'll be interesting to see what happens. We are now over an hour for this podcast that, a, that we tried to keep to 30 minutes, but uh, I, I think we can end on a bumper special, which is going to take me 14 hours to edit, that's all. Um, but uh, uh, Peter, perhaps uh, we should finish by uh, talking about your hopes for the 2022-2023 season. Um, there's plenty of positives. I know we've been sort of nitpicking, but we've really just been sort of... Uh, unearthing some of the issues from this season getting your perspective but there, there is plenty of positives from the season that's just gone and I'm pleased that we've been through those but what are your hopes for 2022-2023? One thing I do want to come <laughs> up back to with this last season but just on this one I, no problem. I actually think um, I, I think this season was a marvellous building block after the hiatus of three years because of Covid. Um, and just to give you an idea, the long-term trend of drop-off of horses should have meant that we're at 1,900 about. Um, now, my hope for next year is we can get it to 1,800. Now, there you are. I'm being optimistic that we can build as opposed to just maintain. But but actually, we know there are quite a few people who thought, mm, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. We're not going to buy but whilst I had a lot of people, believe it or not, I, we issued 10 certificates with two weekends to go. And that, that's really quite cheer, cheering news. Similarly, the jockeys. The jockeys, if we can maintain our number of jockeys, we, we got for just under 400, but 100 new jockeys was uh, what we had pre-pandemic. So we're not, you know, there's good signs because those are the fundamentals going on there. Um so, no, next year, I, I hope we can continue to build on what, what we did this year. I'm hoping not to have any radical changes apart from this end of season thing, which isn't actually that radical a change, but it feels that way. I recognise that. Um, I'd, and I, I, hopefully we can start working a little bit on um, upping the numbers of runners per fixture. Or as a runner's mm. uh, race, maybe an interesting way of looking at it. Um, in in April, May, where April, I mean, the April was hard work, as I think we'll all agree. Mm. So, if anyone's listening to this and um, and thinking, I know exactly what we need to do to to uh, get more runners and uh, get some more sponsors in, then uh, reach out to Peter because he is advertising it by the sounds of it. So, uh, Peter, you said there was something that you wanted to go back to from uh, from previously. So, I guess we can finish this with uh, any other business section, like all good meetings. Um, any other business, Peter? I think we had a good season, but actually, three outstanding things happened this year, which is worth possibly four if you like, but but three in particular, which are worth dwelling on. Will Biddick getting over 500. That's never been achieved in British pointing. It was a tremendous achievement. He might have got pipped by James in the end, but uh, get, and I think he's been a runner-up for the last four years, hasn't he, or something like, I mean, I can't remember the exact figures, but he's certainly been mm. there and thereabouts. So, a tremendous effort. Second one, um, Pipper Ellis uh, breeding late-night pass. That's the first home yeah. in 40 years. And a real family effort of Tom training it and Gina winning it. That's a terrific effort. Um, and finally, um, lest we forget, Sam Whaley-Cohen has supported points and his dad, Robert, will continue to support points. Uh, he not only won the Grand National his last ride, but Robert actually had the most unlikely treble of winning uh, the Grand National, the Daisy Dudley and the Coronation Cup with three different horses. I don't think that'll be repeated. Um, but actually, no. all three of those were outstanding things for people who are point-to-pointers through and through. So I've... Terrific, my fault.
Yeah, absolutely agree. And so a, a good season and a building block, we hope, for a fantastic season in 2022-2023. Uh, so before we bring this episode and the, the, the season, I think this is uh, we've had an, an, ex, uh, an extraordinary amount of episodes and we didn't quite bargain for how many weeks of the season there's going to be, Peter, I'll be honest. But uh, Johnny, James, Mike, is there anything, any closing thoughts? Are we having a 32-week season next year? Um, we're, we're like looking to um, start the season a week later. A couple of the fixtures that tried running this year didn't really work for them. So we look, we're looking to start on the 5th of November, probably at Nightwick. Um, but that's, that's the idea. Yeah. Remember, remember the 5th of November. That was, that's, an easy, that's an easy one, Peter. Uh, uh, Johnny, any final thoughts to sign off the season? No, not from me. I think it's been a good one. On the whole, um, yeah, no, it's been good. My only aim for next season is to get you on more. Uh, <laughs> take it my uh, my role to manage manage you. <laughs> uh, 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 well, uh, Peter, thank you so much for your time. You've given uh, plenty of it to Thanks us. Thank you very much. Thank you, dear listener, for sticking with us. Uh, and um, we're uh, we're really pleased that you've you've you stuck with us. And uh, thank you for all your cargo uh, and support. And we will see you again next season. This has been Point Pointers, and for now, it's goodbye.